it seems like our generation doesn't want to take responsibility. I wasn't taking responsibility back in 2008 because I was blaming everybody else. When in reality, I didn't have the skill set to make a million dollars a year plus, right? I just didn't. I, I knew what I knew. I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone and I didn't want to grow. And that was the biggest thing. That was the epiphany to me going, man, if I want to make more money, I've either got to learn how to open more restaurants. I've either got to become a real entrepreneur and get out of this self-employed rat, rat rat race because it's what it is. It's basically a nine to five glorified, but you're not working nine to five. You're working nine to nine to nine. That's the problem, right? All right, guys, welcome again to another amazing episode. Today we have Gino Barbaro. Let me tell you guys that he needs no introduction. The man is a legend from Jake and Gino. Uh, not only that, but we were just talking. He's he's one half of the duo who we resemble with, who we want to be like. And he is a great mentor, a life coach, multifamily syndicator, JV partner, rank capital owner, and just an all-around amazing guy. You know, my, my brother and I call him the, the godfather you know, that, <laughs> the man who mentors us, our coach, you know, we're, yeah. we're proud members of the uh, Jake and Gino community, the academy, and we're, we're not afraid to say, we're not afraid to say that they taught us so much in such a short uh, period. Uh, we always encourage people uh, towards them anyway, uh, but we're going to go ahead and, and it's going to be a little bit different. Maybe a story that you, or, or, you know, actionable items you've never heard from a Gino podcast before. So stay tuned and you know, if we can go in, uh, what we want to focus on is, you know, you have several companies, several, you know, over 1500, uh, multifamily assets, but what interests us the most is that you have, you know, everything from a podcast to rank capital partners, which is from what I see is, uh, your, your capital, uh, firm, which essentially a bank, uh, you have education platform. Uh, you coach, I mean, tell me something that you don't do, <laughs> you know, and then, and then we'll go from there, but let's dive into your, you know, you called it the seven steps to success in multifamily, you know, tell us a little bit how, how you started and then, you know, actionable items of how, how it all really came together in the beginning. Well, first I just want to say to Oscar and German, thanks for having me on the show. It's always a buen dia when I can get together with my two boys, right? <laughs> Good day, Capital. That's all I got to say, boys, right? Um, you know, my story is very similar to a lot of other people's stories. I, I wasn't an exceptional person. I, I just, you know, started a business. I had a great foundation. I had great parents. So I had the American dream, right? I, I, I had no reason not to succeed. And that's why, you know, getting to my early to late 30s, it felt like I was stuck. I was just comfortable going to the restaurant. I had a restaurant for 15 years. I loved it. Uh, I'll fast forward to 2007, right? 2007 was my one of my inflection points. I really look at that. That's when my dad passed away. I had been working with my dad since I was eight years old. So I mean, like I was in the kitchen with him all the time. And I thought all kids go to work with their dad in restaurants. That's what I thought everybody did, right? And it was weird. And at 22 years of age, I bought my own restaurant with my mom. My dad still had his, but then, you know, Three years later, he joins me. And every day for like, you know, 12, 15 years, we'd work together in the kitchen. And I liked it. But I always thought to myself, 
when he passed away, am I building his dream or was I building my dream? And it really bothered me because I was like, you know, I'm doing something that I'm not really passionate about anymore. I lost a really good, you know, friend slash mentor and the great recession's coming. And I'm like, holy crap, I'm working harder. I'm making less money in 2008 and it, I'm stuck. And, and that's when I had my uh, epiphany moment. You know, I, I wrote the article, seven levels of creating a successful multifamily business. And that first level really is the epiphany. It's like, you know, wow, it, it hit me like a ton of bricks, guys, because I'm working harder, I'm making less. And as you both know, I have six children. So everyone's always telling me, man, those kids are really expensive. You have college, you have weddings. And, you know, I think God provides, right? But I wanted to take it upon my own hands. I wanted to become better. And at 2008, it's sort of like now, there's some people out there that are crushing it. And there's a lot of us like myself that was just, just getting by. And I'm like, well, what are they doing that I'm not doing, right? And at that point, I read Secrets of the Millionaire Mind by T. Harv Eker. And it's a great book because, you know, I don't like the curse, but when I read it, I felt like, who does this dick know? Who is he? I mean, like, how does he? And then I read it again, and it's like, I feel like I got punched in the stomach, but it was a big reflection. And this is important because it seems like our generation doesn't want to take responsibility. I wasn't taking responsibility back in 2008 because I was blaming everybody else, when in reality... I didn't have the skill set to make a million dollars a year plus, right? I just didn't. I, I knew what I knew. I didn't want to get out of my comfort zone and I didn't want to grow. And that was the biggest thing. That was the epiphany to me going, man, if I want to make more money, I've either got to learn how to open more restaurants. I've either got to become a real entrepreneur and get out of this self-employed rat rat race because it's what it is. It's basically a nine to five glorified, but you're not working nine to five. You're working nine to nine to nine. That's the problem, right? You can never leave. You're a mom and pop who we buy from. So my epiphany was, I need to get better. And, you know, one of the reasons why I created Jake and Gino and why you guys know, know I, I love coaching, I, I spend time with students all the time. We have a boot camp this weekend that I'm going to. I'm spending the whole weekend there. That's my, that's my weekend off, right? But I'm working because I love it. For me, coaching and mentorship really helped me out. That's when I went out and I sought two, two different mentors. I did a rich dad, poor dad coaching program. And I did another uh, real estate coaching program. And I looked at it back then as an expense. Well, you're, you're, you're spending money for your education. Not only did I realize that I was investing in my education. Entrepreneurs don't look at that as an expense. We look at that as an investment in our education. And I've spent over the last two to three years, over $300,000, Jake and myself with coaching, whether it's scaling up coaching, whether it's speaker coaching, whether it's just, you know, learning more real estate, whatever that may look like, I've brought mentors on. And every time I've done that, I've gotten a five, six, seven, 10 X return because my mind has shifted. Like I said, back in 2008, I thought I knew it all, but I didn't know it all. I didn't know anything, right? But once you start bringing people into your life who are a little bit higher up than you, you learn from them, then you may outgrow that mentor. Then you go out and seek another mentor. And that's how life is, right? It's all about growth and contribution. So yeah. that was my first, you know, Oscar, my first epiphany was I, I want to do better. I, I don't know what it is. I, I want to do better though, right? The second level was I've got to take massive education. I've really got to educate myself. And this is hard because people say, well, when I make the money, I'm going to go get educated, right? Then I can spend money on my education. Whereas, do I go to the seminar to learn how to make money or do I make money and then go to the seminar? Unfortunately, you need to go to the seminar or you need to go to the training or you need to go to college or whatever to learn the skills to be able to employ. And that's what I did. I, I spent at the time, I felt like I was spending a lot of money on it, but I learned how to underwrite deals. I learned multifamily because I'd made a couple of mistakes prior. Just because you have capital out there, everybody, doesn't mean that you're going to be successful. 
I was making wrong decisions because I didn't know how to invest in real estate. I was making risky decisions because I had friends give me tips. Let's do a mobile home park. That didn't work well. Let's do a strip mall. That didn't work well. And it got to a point back in 07, 08, I need to be serious. I need to know what I'm doing. So the epiphany and then number two was that massive education. Now, after that, our coach Bill Ham came up with a new word. I love this word, guys. It's called a nuru. A nuru is a newbie who's a guru. I mean, pretty mm-hmm. genius, right? Oh, that's a good one. You know what that means? It's basically a newbie who's out there. Was I was starting to get to become that person where I'm out there going to seminars, doing trainings, podcasts, but yeah. not taking action, right? And, and, and it's scary. It's paralysis by analysis. How did I overcome that? I met Jake. So I said, you know what, Jake? You're going down to Tennessee. I can't find deals up in New York. Let's partner together. So- Wait, hold on, hold on. I got to stop you, Gino, because you said two things right there. Bill Ham, he mm-hmm. was a coach. He was your coach. No, what well, we we, we, we <laughs> no no we go back and forth a lot, right? We're writing oh, okay. a book together. We're co-publishing a book together. Oh. So he's got these ideas all the time. That's what's great about partnerships. You are yeah. constantly learning and looking at it from someone else's perspective. And he's run that across. He's coached hundreds and hundreds of students, right? And he sees yeah. that that pattern a lot, where a lot of them have that analysis process. And for me. It's the accountability coach, right? That's why I have in the Jake and Gino community. You have an accountability yeah. coach to hold you accountable, to make sure you're doing the work, right? And doing the work means going out, property tours, putting Gino, in letters of intent. Gino, I got a question because I, I heard the story uh, in one of your events recently, but mm-hmm. I've never heard it before until Bill Ham said the story. How did it, and, and this is because, again, you, you're talking about the aha, the aha moment, right? But then there's little pieces here and there that come in. Mm-hmm. And then somebody brings an idea that you probably never thought of. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, you were you were already partnered up with uh, with Jake. Mm-hmm. And you were you, you guys were already, you guys had your podcast, right? And you became mm-hmm. uh, influencers and, and people mm-hmm. were listening to you. Mm-hmm. How, so, and, and then you met uh, Bill. Can you mm-hmm. talk about that, that, that meeting when you guys met and the idea that Bill brought to you guys? And that's when everything, everything started for you guys as, as far as the academy and all that. Can you, so, can you talk a little yeah, bit about that? Yeah, of course. And that's part of the thing where I only knew how to create businesses like a mom and pop. So Jake and I were doing weekly calls, coaching calls with students that got to be a grind. First of all, we were undervaluing our services. We were not charging enough. And I look back at that now and I was undervaluing my time because that's what I knew, right? And Jake was getting burned out because he was doing the property management and I was start- and I was starting to ramp up the education. So I-, I couldn't keep this pace up. And I knew that if I go out and I sell a $1,500 micro course, there's a ton of value, but the success rate is very low because there's no accountability there. You know, when somebody has to ask a question, you pick up the phone, you get on a call with your coach, you learn exponentially. When we fulfill it at Jake and Gino Bootcamp, you're there for two days. It's not just learning from top people who are doing it. You're networking with students out there. You're networking with me. You're asking people to ask my, my opinion. So when I was at a, an event, and this is why one of my biggest mistakes back in the day, I never went to events. I never went to seminars because I was too busy. I had the restaurant. I couldn't take a weekend off. And that was my biggest regret. I go to an event July of 2018. It's in, it is in uh, Atlanta crappy hotel. The event was pretty crappy also, but the relationships that I made there, you know, one of my ex-partners is there goes, you know, Bill Ham used to coach. He's a great coach. He's burned out. He may be looking to get back in. 
Jake and I didn't have a coaching platform. It was just us two coaching. So for me, I had already started learning how to figure out how to work with partnerships. When you're looking for a partner, what can you offer that partner? And what is that partner looking for in return? We can get into core values. We can get into value-based decision-making. But basically, Bill had a skill set. He hated to sell. So it was hard for him to solicit students. Jake and I had a platform. We loved to coach, but we could, you know, sign people up. We were starting to ramp up our sales team. So that's a marriage made in heaven. He has great yeah. skills. He can talk to students. He's been doing it for a while. He has a great portfolio. He's got certain ways to teach and we can bring it together. So at that event, I didn't even meet him. I actually um, texted him the next day. I said, Hey, Bill, why don't we get together? Let's see if this thing can work out. He goes, sure. And what, what's great about it, or what I love about it more than anything, the students that we have, he was getting burned out because what happens is a lot of these coaching platforms, they'll sign anybody up. They just want to swipe credit cards. You guys know the quality of people that we bring on board. Yeah. You know, we, we're, we're same side selling. We're not there. And one of the reasons is I have to talk to the students. I've got to do blueprint calls with them. I've got to do follow-up calls with them. I jump on podcasts with my students. I want to like my students. I want my students to have success. I want to have a hundred you know, percent five-star rating. And if we're signing people up that can't do that, number one is going to burn me out and I'm not going to feel good. Number two, that one poisonous apple can poison the well in the community itself because all of a sudden they're a naysayer. And number three, I want my coaches to have the ability to help these people. And if yeah. people aren't ready to help themselves going through goal setting, going through vision setting, making sure that this is what they want, then having the financial capabilities to get into the platform, that's really important. So Bill had been burned out from that. And now that he joined us, you know, he's has a couple hundred students, but the majority of his students are active. They're doing deals or looking at deals. And he has actually told me a couple of months ago, he really likes coaching again because it's all about the community that you build. So for me, I give him a ton of credit. If it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't be where we are. Plus, number two, he loves to teach. So he teaches at all of our live events, at our, all of our boot camps. This weekend, he's going to be teaching part of the finance. We're teaching the rest. Um, so he teaches all of our buy right boot camps. He comes to all of our money mixers. And on top of that, he wrote a book about 10 years ago on creative financing, seller financing. It was on the shelf. I talked to him about six months ago. I say, hey, Bill, let's write the book. He wrote the book. We got the publishing done. We put those two together. And that's how a partnership is created because we have certain value that we do. He has certain value and he does what he says. He says what he does. And we do the same thing. And we have complimentary, uh, you know, we're looking for the same goal, basically. And we got together with the book. Same thing. The book is going to be launching in January of next year. I don't think he would have been able to do it by himself. And I don't have the time to write a book of that skill level because I don't know what master lease options are. I'm pretty good at running financing, but he has that. I have this. We put it together. And it's the same thing when you're going out looking at a real estate deal. You all have to be able to contribute some way. What value are you bringing? I don't care what value you guys are bringing. I have to look in myself and say, what can I bring to Oscar and Jermon to the table to make myself a good partner? If I've got enough to bring to the table, then look at what they've got to bring to the table. So uh, it was, it, I mean, it's one of those meetings that I just I didn't want to go to Atlanta, to be honest with you. In the middle of July, 95 degrees, crappy hotel, the air conditioner wasn't working. But you know what? It's some of those times where you get out of your comfort zone and you just go to an event and you just never know who you're going to meet there. Nice, nice. Uh, and so you got the, uh, so you guys opened the academy and, and it grew, right? The, mm -hmm. uh, we, we've heard the stories and, and for people, for our audience who want to listen, I mean, just, just Google or go in your, in your best platform for podcast, you put Jake and Gene on, you'll hear the story. But I want to hear, you know, like, again, those, those, those key moments that had you grow, right? Mm -hmm. for, for people that dream 
big and they go like, hey, I, w- I want to be the, my own bank, which mm-hmm. is not impossible. I mean, you guys made it. Mm-hmm. What was that key moment? How do you, what was that, that, that moment? Just like you mentioned, hey, that we started the school and, and that, that specific event was what built it up, what was, uh, made it possible. When, when did the idea come of, hey, let's, let's be our own bank so we can help our students and ourselves? So for me, let's go back to number three. So number three was education times action equals results. The fourth level is to buy that first deal. I, we, we bought out and bought a first deal, everybody, right? And it was hard. It took us 18 months, but we had our goals. We had massive education. We have massive action. That was it, right? Goal number four. Number five, we bought the next couple of deals. We're not thinking right now about building this massive company. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about, I need 10 grand a month in passive income. I need to do that because I want to quit my job quit the restaurant. Before that, I was like, yeah, a couple thousand dollars a month. But then I see the possibilities. So I'm thinking a little bit bigger, right? And then after number five, it's basically buying a couple of deals. Then number six, level six is your first hire, because now you've got maybe a couple hundred units. And that first hire for every entrepreneur is hard, because it's the I'm a mentality. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. I'm going to cut the grass. I'm going to go collect the rents. And it's a really hard thing to do because in the beginning, you need to bootstrap it. But as you scale up, you need to say to yourself, well, you can do something at 80% or that, and that person can do 80% of what you're doing. But all successful entrepreneurs leverage other people's money and other people's time. You think Jeff Bezos can work at every freaking Amazon plan? I mean, he's, no. he's, he's leveraging yeah. other people's time. And when you make that paradigm, that paradigm shift, it's like, holy crap. Maybe Oscar can't do it as well as me, but I can do something else that I like really well. And Oscar can do something. And I can hire somebody else and find those right butts in the right seats. So number six is making that first hire. And I will promise you, when you realize that and you need that first hire, it's already too late. Hire up. And that doesn't mean you need to make the person the CEO. Start small bookkeeping, doing a little bit of infographics, uh, you know, making some cold calls, whatever that may look like. Once you see the ROI that you get from that, it was huge for me, for the Jake and Gino platform, to be completely honest with you, got to give a big shout out to Josh because it's March of 2018. He's looking to get out of where he is. I need a salesperson because it's very hard to say, hey, join Jake and Gino. I'm Gino. I have the best stuff in the world. It doesn't go too well, right? There's no separation. There's no barrier. But when Josh is out there selling the product, it's a lot easier for me to sell the product. And I'm working on content. I'm working on fulfillment. I'm working on the things that I need to grow the company to make me a better educator, right? To get on more podcasts, to write more books, to write more articles. And Josh is out there learning how to sell. So in March of 2018, we talk about inflection points. That one hire made all the difference in the world. So I've got an amazing coach, I've got an amazing sales guy. You put them together, then the next hire we had was Jen, operations manager. That pulled it through. So I don't want everyone to think you have to figure it out when you're first starting out. This is a learning process. It's going on. And it's hard because I never did it before. I had a restaurant, but I never scaled up into different entities. And I never really hired properly. I was always hiring based on, oh, and I know a lot of people out there listening and go, you know what? I can't find the right help. Uh, you know, the, the, the employees out there, you know what, maybe you're the problem. I was the problem back in the restaurant. I had no core value. I had no culture. I had no vision. It was only me doing all the work. And I was always blaming other people when maybe I should have been looking internally and saying, you know, what am I doing wrong? That was my inflection. So you're seeing that you're seeing what's going on. And you know, what I've realized over the last couple of years, successful companies, especially nowadays, they focus first on their employees. 
you know, Herb Kelleher, I think from Southwest said it best. You focus on your employees first. You make them happy. You give them the vision. You give them the tools. You try to be the best leader that you can be, right? And after that, the employees will take care of the customers. If the customers are really happy, guess what? They're going to come back. They're going to spend money. And then ultimately, the shareholders are rewarded. If you follow that model in business where you're taking care of your employees, you make them happy, and all of a sudden, the customers are taken care of. I mean, we have a lot of students who love the fulfillment. Go look at it. We have over 100, you know, 100 five-star uh, Google reviews, Facebook, because that's what we want to do. We want to make our students happy. We want to make them engaged. And if they are, ultimately, you know, it's going to reward us by getting more students to come on board and create that culture and create those core values that we're looking for. So I think if you're looking at it to grow, you start small and you start figuring it out and you're going to make mistakes and that's okay. Cause you know, Bill Ham, once again, I'm sitting on the bus with him at a money mixer learning about his deal that went bad and all these mistakes he made. He says, basically everyone is out there figuring it out and they're winging it. And I'm like, man, I thought I was the only one winging it. So I'm, I'm glad, you know? So, and that's <laughs> yeah. the truth. That's the, it you, know, you, think, you think everyone's living in this Instagram world, driving these Lambos nah, and all. You fail and you learn. That is, and 98% of that is crap. And it's okay. If you want another persona, there's nothing wrong with it. But I've learned that just to continue to scale, and you, you just you commit something and then figure it out. I'll give you another quick example. About six weeks ago, uh, somebody named Frank Chen comes to me and says, you want to do a multifamily property challenge? I said, sure, we're going to try to sell some education. Never knew what that thing was. In six weeks, we were able to put together a challenge. We launched it. We did it last week. Super successful. Never did it before because I know if it fails, I spend a little bit of money on the, on the front end. I'll figure it out. But then the next one I do, it's going to be a little bit better. And the next one is going to be a little bit even better. So yeah. I always tell students, it's okay to buy a duplex or a quad or a six unit in your first deal. Because if, if you mess that up, you'll figure it out. And then you'll buy a deal that's a little bit bigger. You'll figure that one out. And then all of a sudden, hey, I got a 40 unit. Where am I going to find the money? I could syndicate it because I've got experience from doing, you know, from doing other deals. So think big, start small. And then from Jermont to continue to answer that question, really to continue to scale up. We went to scaling up coaching. We read the book scaling up by Vern Harnish. We hired their coaches. They were not cheap. They were expensive, but, but it you was made that well, investment. It was well, well worth that investment because we were able to create a mission statement. We were able to create core values. We came up with quarterly planning, quarterly meetings. We came up with weekly, weekly L10s. I mean, the whole thing revolutionizes. And it was, it was one of those things where it's, it was a reflection on ourselves. Jake and I like to machine gun, shotgun everything, do 20 priorities. That's how we, that's how we, that's how we, that's how we are. Right. But most people don't, they don't, they can't handle that. So having those quarterly priorities and really, really being able to listen and communicate better, the scaling up coaches were allowed us to do that because we never scaled a company before. So we went out and we sought people who did it, seek people who have the results that you're looking for and you continue to follow them. You will get those results. So that, that, that last component of the education, because I don't want people thinking I'm out here just trying to sell education, but that for me was revolutionary. If I didn't get the scaling up coaching, I wouldn't have, Jake and Gino and Rand yeah. Partners and Rand Capital and Rand CRE because it's something we don't do in life. We're not born with that. We're not born, you know, salespeople. We're not born investors. We learn all of these skills. And how do we learn them? We learn them by people who have done it before. Yeah. Gino, you said some very key things there. And, you know, I'll, I'll say a few there. So with the property challenge, you guys are amazing. Um, Dude, Actually, I had no idea what I was doing. I, I just got up five days, create a little content, just start talking. 
but I didn't yeah. know what I was doing. I mean, I honestly, I had no idea what the script was. I never did yeah. one before. Um, actually, unfortunately, Jake's grandfather passed away during the week. Oh, you know, no. I, I mean, yeah, it sucked. He, he said, I can't make it. So what do we do? Instead of me crawling up in the ball in the fetal position and, and feeling sorry for myself, I said, Josh, you want to jump on for the next three days? You, you commit and you figure it out, right? Awesome. Things are going to happen, right, in life. So I didn't quit. I said, yeah. Josh, and then we had to go for do a bonus round at nighttime. Let's just figure this thing out. What's the yeah. worst thing that can happen? If people know you're coming from a place of trying and giving and, and really trying your best, that's all you can do. And so for us, it was it was a great experience. But it's one of those things where Josh would come on board. He goes, oh, does the email look perfect? I'm like, Josh, hit the send button. Whatever happens, it's sent, yeah, it's yeah. gone. You can't take it back, but you can always fix it, right? Yeah. So. No, no, amazing, amazing thing there. And I shared that group with like all my friends and I think like 200 of them joined. And That's awesome, I, you know, I, I just want people to know like, hey, that was available for you. But, mm -hmm. you know, you mentioned that first hire, right? And that's something that's hard. And I know it's hard because I've actually this past month just hired our first executive assistant mm. to help us not only stay on target, but to develop our SOPs to start actually structuring things so that I can have the time to continue creating a vision Dude, uh, and move that's forward, awesome. right? SOPs. I mean, I didn't know what the hell an SOP was until about a year ago. I mean, you're way ahead of me. Executive assistant. I don't have an, I don't really even have an executive assistant yet. So you're doing it the right way because you might have, you probably have less of an ego than I did. I always thought if we can shed our ego and say, we don't have to be the best and being humble and, and, you know, having the grace to say that I'm not the best at this. I need help by doing this. Oh, it's yes. a hard thing for most people to do. And I don't know if that held me back or not. I just probably, I wanted the control. I wanted to control everything, but that will hold an entrepreneur back is not having trust in other people to be able to do the job. So, so, I, so I think the mindset was last year, but this year, you know, especially like in my role in the military as an officer, I have to be able to delegate. And I've always had it in the military, but when it came to my own business, mm -hmm. I could not let go. And recently I was like, you know what, screw it. You know, don't mess up, but we'll figure it out. But what tips do you have for people for that first hire, right? Because you said there's a right way and there's a wrong way. So, you know, Josh is amazing, right? The fact that you find someone like Josh and Josh is all in and he's also a multifamily guy. You know, what tips do you have for that first hire? So for me, that I took a leap of faith with Josh. I was actually pretty lucky. What I knew that about Josh was he had the skill set that I needed. He was a great salesperson. He was great on the phone and he had a track record. So that's what I wanted in the first hire. Now, looking back at it, I should have had my core values created and I hire and I fire off of my core values. Our core values are people first, extreme ownership, unwavering ethics, growth mindset, and make it happen. Those are our core values. I want to hire and fire based on those. And I share our mission statement with everyone. We're creating communities that allow people to become the best version of themselves. So when I'm hiring somebody, I want them to be bought in into the vision of what we're doing. We're changing lives at Jake and Gino. You know, it's you is it easy yeah. work. No, we're, on, we're a small entrepreneurial startup company. So if you're looking for corporate, if you're looking for this, we can't offer that. But what we can offer is a vision and making a difference in people's lives. So you want, you want that to come through on an interview. You want people to be bought into what you're doing, right? Josh also wanted to learn multifamily. So it was great for him. Remember, it's value for value. So if you have an employee who wants to learn multifamily, in our instance, great, come on board. And for me, I didn't have that vision at the restaurant. I, I didn't, I didn't show them the vision. So now going through that whole process, making sure you have the duties, the responsibilities they need to, they need to really nail. Um, 
having systems in place to help them, right? When you first start hiring somebody, maybe have some videos, have some Loom videos to show them what needs to get done, document stuff. Uh, that's important. You know, you can't do it in your business, in your business life is because you have skin in the game. It's a lot different when you have money and skin of your own than when you're working with somebody else's. That's the other thing. That's the hard part of letting go. And I was able to let go because I was like, dude, I've never sold before. I stink. I'm not, that's not my skill set. Not because I've just never did it before. And being able to bring Josh on, him teaching me how to do that and him and me working together, implementing systems, our next hire was a lot easier because we had already done it before. We had done a couple of boot camps, documented it. We had systems put in place. We had workbooks done. We had charts done. So it was an easier transition for the next employee to come on board because you want to create an amazing system and you want to be able to have amazing people run those systems. So when that person either, you know, get either leaves or she, they graduate up to another position, that position can be filled by somebody else. Amazing. 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 Jeremy, what you got? You, I know you, you, your mind is, is moving there. <laughs> oh, man. I mean, I love this story and, and because I, I, I've heard it before and I want to get So you guys did the first hire. You guys are growing, right? Mm -hmm. The idea of rant. Can you talk about it and how it came up? Who came up with that idea? Did somebody bring it to you? How do you guys create that partnership? So it's really weird because when we first started, I'll give you from the beginning, like we bought the first property, we bought the second property and we were managing the deals ourselves. You don't have to self-manage, but we did. We were like, we don't need to have 7,000 units. We'd rather grow a little bit slower, but control it. And we wanted to learn the business. Jake is the kind of person that wants to know what he's doing. He doesn't want to get ripped off, right? So he wanted to learn. I had worked with third-party property management. So he was in the market. So I'm like, okay, let's start growing. At around 200 units, our third deal, we decided to write the book, Wheel of Our Profits. And, and for me, even if I didn't make any money in education, I learned more on how to invest and how to be a better investor from learning and then teaching others how to do it. That's where we started the podcast. So that was our third, third revenue stream. So your first revenue stream is the investment itself. And then within that investment of multifamily, you have laundry, you have cable revenue, you may even have cell tower revenue, you have late fees, you have all those revenues within that one revenue stream. So from the investment, we have the property management arm. That's the second arm of revenue that you're generating through that. Now, it's not a huge revenue generator, but it's a control revenue generator where you can actually control the asset, you control the fees, and you can actually make the property more efficient. The third one was the education. Now, when we started out, we wrote a book. We weren't monetizing a lot, but from the book, we had the podcast. I was a pretty prolific blog writer, so I wrote a couple hundred blogs in the last five years. So what that does is when you go to a broker's office and you say, hey, Mr. Broker, you know, top multifamily podcast, I've written a couple of books. That's instant credibility. Right away, people know you. They call you an influencer. You've been on stage. Everyone knows that I've been on bigger pockets. So I have credibility right there. So even if I didn't monetize, because I was afraid, I'm like, how am I going to make money in education? You know, there's no way. How am I going to make it, right? I didn't care. I just wanted to go all in and really become, uh, I don't say a voice. I, I started coupling with, with life coaching. I love life coaching. So I didn't want to be just be the motivational guru. I really wanted to teach people how to do multifamily. So that took a little while for me to learn it. And as I'm learning it, I'm like, okay, we haven't syndicated a deal yet. A lot of students want syndication. Let me go out and syndicate a deal. And, you know, about two and a half years ago, we syndicated our first deal. I learned that. So we started Rand Partners, which is our syndication arm, which has acquisition fees, asset management fees, and we have ownership in some assets where we have general partnership. And we're also investing on the limited partner side. So that one deal can generate multiple streams of revenue for you. So that was another, you know, inflection point for us. You can start with syndication. You can end with syndication. It all depends on where your strategies are. And from there, we decided to let's start Rand Capital 
capital, where our students are looking for mortgages and looking for, for opportunities to finance, let's start that out. So it was, it was a slow grower, but for us, you know, German, you can do this in any business. I had the restaurant, I'm going to give you an example. At the restaurant, I had a physical location. I couldn't serve more than 70 people at a time. And I had to like basically do some takeout. I decided I'm going to start Gino's family. Gino's family was going to be a build a brand built around my family. I was going to teach people how to get their kids around the dinner table. I was going to do YouTube videos with um, kids with growing food in the garden. And then from growing food in the garden, bring it in the kitchen and cooking with the kids. I wrote a cookbook for that company. I started doing private labeled uh, tomato sauce and, and I was doing balsamic dressings. I got into physical products. I started selling cutlery. I started selling stuff on Amazon. So all these different revenue streams. Then we started doing caterings offsite. We started doing weddings. We started doing cooking classes for our, a lot of our well, Monday nights. We were closed. We'd get 20 people at 150 bucks a head. It's $3,000 for the night for a cooking class, brand building. So it was all different streams of revenue. My problem was that I didn't want to be in the restaurant business anymore. I didn't want to work on the weekends. And I just didn't, see, I didn't know. I didn't see the vision. That was the first time I was trying to scale a company up. That's why when Jake and Gene came along, I had the vision. I already sort of knew how to record on, on, on video. I already done a bunch of cooking videos. I already had written a cookbook before. So was it a failure, Gino's family? I spent a lot of money on that education. I also went out and got mentors on how to do private labeling, how to go out to China and how to figure out, oh, you know, everyone says, oh, I'm going to private, so I'm going to get sources from China. Well, China's a big country. And by the way, China's closed in February. So if you're trying to get stuff from February, you're not, you're not getting it, right? And you have to get import, export, all this stuff that I didn't know, but I went to learn it and I just didn't stay in Gino's family long enough. I didn't know really how to monetize that business, right? Because it's a physical products business, but who am I catering to? It was more faith-based. I was dealing with a lot of, you know, Catholic brothers down in Harlem doing videos with them. And I should have said, you know, this is my target market, but I didn't do that because I didn't know. And then Jay comes along and with this multifamily thing, and that took over precedent, but it was a long time run. I mean, basically seven or eight years. And then everybody out there, I got into life coaching and I'm like, okay, this is my why. I figured out my clarity. I figured out my why. And that really helped me out. The personal development is huge for everybody because it gives you an understanding of what you're here for, what you want to do. I just wanted to end up ultimately end up helping people. That's what I like more than anything, putting people together and learning the systems. And that's how I ended up getting the multifamily. Amazing. Amazing. No, I, I love the, I love the story, man. It's like I, I I mean for 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 the audience, you know, when it comes to when it comes to people that that we follow and we emulate and we want to be like, you know, uh, it is you guys, you know. It's like we we see you and it's like oh my god, it, if and and it's doable, you know, anybody can do it. Uh, you did it. You started from 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 a restaurant. You know, mm -hmm. you didn't have this big vision. However, now mm -hmm. you're here where you're helping so many people. You're uh, influencing so many people and, and, and helping so many lives. I, I, I love it. And a lot of people don't know the Gino family story. Not, a, I mean, I just don't really say it that often, but there's no such thing as an overnight sensation. There's no yep. such thing as an overnight success. Ever. Nobody, whether you're an athlete, whether you're a musician, whether you're an actor, yeah. actress, it just doesn't happen overnight. There's a lot of reps that get involved that go into it, right? Yeah. Then People just see the end result. Yeah, you, you need. there's a lot of luck involved. I mean, luck, the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? So it really has to do with taking risk, really knowing, being held accountable. So I had Jake, so Jake was always pushing me and I was pushing him. He had rough days at work. He had, I had rough days at the restaurant. But you know what? If we've got a podcast at three o'clock on Thursday, we're both going to be on that podcast because I'm not letting him down and he's not letting me down. That's what partnership actually helped me pull through. Oh, awesome. 
man, that that's amazing. No, and that relationship between you and Jake, you know, I mean that. I mean that that's a power duo right there. You guys yeah, are lucky. We, you guys, you're, you're brothers. So I mean, brothers. I had a relationship with my brother also. It was special. I could trust my brother. Uh, he was a little younger than me. I, I wish he had seen the vision at the restaurant more because he was in his comfort zone, and I was trying to push him out of his comfort zone. It didn't work because he was comfortable working in the front. He didn't see the sense of urgency that I saw. So that's the reason why we, you know, we split up. I was I, he was still in New York. I came down to Florida, and now as you guys see, he left New York, came down to Florida, and he's working with Jake. Gino. So he believes yeah. in what we're doing, which is important, but having yeah. a partnership like that is really important guys. It's really, really, really help you out really serve you. Oh yeah. Oh, awesome. So I, I got a couple of things from that. You know, you're big into coaching, you know, even though you are a coach yourself, you go to next level coaches and look for that next level to help you. And then hiring is key, right? In order to scale a, a true entrepreneur is building systems, platforms and hiring people, in order to have an actual business, not a mom and pop uh, employee or self-employed role. Um, and that that's huge, that's huge. You know, so, you know, one, one big question we always ask, and you, you know, you're a big family man um, throughout this whole process, right? I mean, it, you know, your bio, you know, your media kids is impressive. Everything from books to podcasts, to live events, to, buying units to form a company. How did you balance it all with six kids, a wife, you know, the family and making sure that, you know, you time block because obviously being an entrepreneur is hard enough. And then on top of that, you have to make time for the right people. You're doing it for a reason, right? Mm -hmm. Well, for me, I didn't start out having six kids, right? I had one, then we had two, then three. So yeah. you have time to catch up, right? And, and as you're growing, you become more efficient with your time. For me, I always invited my kids to work with me. They worked at the restaurant. They spent time there. I would come home before the restaurant. We homeschool our kids. So I'd, I'd sit down with them and do homeschooling in the morning. Even, even this morning, for the last three weeks, one of my kids is having problems with math. Not that she's having problems with math, but she needs to practice and practice. And now the light bulb went off. So yeah, I have priorities. I need to do that in the morning. I want to spend time with her in the morning. I can sit on the couch and hang out before I do stuff, but I choose to do that. That's more important. This weekend at the boot camp, the finance right boot camp, they're all going to be there. The entire family is going to be there in November. I'm flying out to San Diego. I'm going to take the entire family out there. So I include them in the business because I want them to be around entrepreneurs. Yes, I want them to be around people who are like-minded, right? Because my kids are older now. The older two, the two older ones are investing in our deals. I'm taking money out of their bank account, putting it into the deals. So that that's how they end up learning. So for me, it's prioritizing. And I never thought about, oh, I've got to spend this time, you know, with the kids. I just I, I just make time with them. And each one of them at different age levels different times. My son was in the office today uh, with me. I spent an hour with him. He's in college. So today he didn't have any school. So I just make sure that I spend time which, with each and every single one of them. But being an entrepreneur, owning a business, there's a lot of negatives, but the positives are you can include them in the business. And with my wife, we started a podcast together. We're going to be doing a presentation this weekend together. So business is intertwined in that. We went to a, a business meeting last night of uh, companies called Legatus. They are Catholic CEOs and, you know, thought leaders went with her. It was great. It was awesome. So include her in the business. So, you know, I think it's taboo to talk about money, but it's not because I need to make money to be able to donate to an orphanage in Honduras or to do the second harvest food bank in East Tennessee. That's not going to help by itself. I need to make money doing that. My kids need to know that money isn't evil. Money is just a tool to utilize for whatever you want. You want the Lambo? Go ahead. The Lambo is great. 
You want to help somebody out? Great. That's your decision. But if you don't have money to do that, that we can't even have that conversation. So I think my children need to understand that we're not being taught what money is. Money is just a tool to utilize for what you need to do. If you're a jerk, you're going to be a bigger jerk with money. If you're a philanthropist, you're going to be able to donate more with your money. So that's your decision. Beautiful. Uh, that was amazing. Yeah. yeah. That last part. You yeah, are, you, you say, are you, maximize it. <laughs> yeah. And you said you include your, your, your family and your business. I mean, I've, I've, I've listened to your podcast with your wife amazing you know uh you bring a lot of family values uh in in connected to to the business life and also mm -hmm. i've heard that your son now he he does part of the underwriting in your business which is like amazing education yes and I, I i even let him do a lesson rent comp lesson for us because that's how you learn and the hardest thing of being a parent i'm going to tell you guys the hardest thing is to see your kids fail or to see your kids struggle but they need to struggle because he was having problems on the writing a couple of months ago. He was flipping out. I can't do this. I said, Mike, you're a smart kid. I'm not going to tell you. You can't come to me every time and say, Dad, how do you do this? Dad, how do you do that? You need to struggle in life because the more struggle you put in, that's how your brain works. We have the myoplasty, which makes those connections in your brain. The harder you work at something, then the light, like it was his light bulb just goes off. But if you don't work on it, that light bulb won't go off. And letting your kids struggle and then obviously helping them. But I mean, like, I'm not going to tell them everything. And I don't want you running to Mikey T and having Mikey T give you all the answers either. That's why college is great. Figuring it out on your own, scheduling it out, making sure the work gets done. That's what's really important. Not memorizing stuff, but figuring out how to solve problems is really important to teach our children. Awesome. Awesome. Amazing. I love it. Gino, thank you so much, man. I think we could go on for like another three hours. <laughs> but we, we, haven't even, we haven't even scratched the surface. I know. Yet, I, know. <laughs> I know. We're going to have to do another another part at some point. Anytime you need something, let me know, let me know because, you know, I'm learning. Every year, everything, yeah. things are changing. We didn't talk about the state of the economy. We didn't talk about what's going to happen in the future. We didn't talk about markets. We didn't talk about how yeah. to write a deal. There's so many different facets, the multifamily. But I think the most important thing that everyone needs to take away from this recording is, I didn't even say it, but I should. It's the right time to start anything in life when you're ready. It's never the right time because I have had six kids. It was never the right time to have a kid. There's always something going on, right? When I started back in multifamily back in 2013, the economy sucked. Rents were $300 a month for a one bedroom. Is that the time to start? GDP was 1%. The sky was falling, right? It wasn't yeah. the right time. I just, it was ready for me. I was ready. So you have to be ready. You have to know what you're getting yourself into. There's a lot of work ahead of you, but I promise it's not the goal that you're going to hit. It's the person that you're going to become to get to that goal. And then when you hit that goal, it's just an arbitrary, it's just a result. You're going to set another goal. Then you have to stretch and become that person to get to the next goal. And that's what life's all about. That's why we're all about achievement, but really just growing and becoming a better person. The better person, the more uncomfortable you become. And that as an entrepreneur is what happens. So you get pushed out of your comfort zone. As a W-2 worker, you're always looking at the clock and going, you know what? Uh, I'm ready to go. But when you're an entrepreneur, you don't think that way. You think, what's the next challenge? Let's do a multifamily property challenge. Let's do another boot camp. Let's write another book. Let's learn. And that's what it ends up coming down to. And it starts multiplying. And then, like you said, Oscar, how do you delegate the time? You delegate the time because you become better and you become more efficient at what you do. And you're able, actually able to scale up and hire other people to help you do that stuff. Yeah. And, why, and one of the takeaways, one of the takeaways from this story is, Action, action, action. You do and you do and you do and you mm -hmm. find ideas and you start getting into problems um, that makes you like be better. 
You know, mm-hmm. I mean, again, you started on the uh, on you the uh, being comfortable. Yeah, being comfortable on, on a on a on a restaurant because that's what you knew. Mm-hmm. You got out of the restaurant and then you started doing multifamily. You know, real estate, mm-hmm. and you started going to to uh, different events and, and talking to other people. Action, 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 and all mm-hmm. these grew up. And that's what we wanted to talk about on this podcast. I mean, we could have talked about, like you said, the market and and multifamily and 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 numbers, right? Mm-hmm. But but when when you talk to people like you, and and you see a vision, you know, it's like oh my god, this mm-hmm. this guy make it, and this guy's living a, a a super life, and not only that, but he's giving to so many people. Uh, that's why we wanted to bring with this podcast. So uh, we know that our audience is gonna, I mean, enjoy it and be inspired by this. Um, and they also know because my brother mentioned it at the beginning of the show that we're students of your academy and. Uh, I mean, we loved it. It's one of the best investments that we've made. Um, and um, so thank you, Gino. I really appreciate it, man. Guys, yeah, I'll, leave you, you, I'll leave you with this. Just put this on your vision board. Done is better than perfect. It there doesn't have to be perfect. Just do it and then learn and expect to make mistakes. Set your expectations low of what, what you're going to achieve because then you'll probably hit those expectations. And if you don't, you'll be like, it's okay. I did yeah. it and then I'm going to learn. I'm going to pivot. So just want to thank you guys for having me on. And like I said, anytime you want to jump me back on, you're more than welcome. Awesome. awesome. You know, and, and I mean, everyone knows, but where can they find you? <laughs> oh, easy. Just go to jakeandgina.com. There just you go, go. Just go to the website. And if you guys want to hit me up by email, I send the PDF copy of the, of the honeybee, gino at jakeandgina.com. Just send me an email and I'll send out a PDF copy of the book. Awesome. Look at that. You get a book. I like that, huh? <laughs> Thanks, Gino. Thanks, guys. Take care, everybody. All right.